0: Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, this may be the year the government finally cracks the identity nut.
1: I think there's a recognition that people want to create a persona or develop some kind of an identity management construct that allows them to deal with the federal government as a single entity and not logging in every time to every service.
0: And rethinking the citizen as customer in 2022. We have the chance
2: now to think about the public as a customer of the whole of the federal government, not just a program or not
0: just one agency. It's Monday, December 27th, 2021. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of The Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. A change of pace this week, a look ahead to what's coming in 2022. Some of the most experienced practitioners in government will give you their top 2 for 2022, the two things they think you should watch in the new year. First though, I want to remind you IT leaders from the Energy Department, the IRS, the State Department and the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center at the Pentagon are coming to the Government Forum 2022. It's Wednesday, January 19th at the Ritz-Carlton Pentagon City. You can read more about it and see the agenda in today's show notes at The Daily Scoop podcast com the new customer experience executive order includes broad requirements for agencies to execute and some very specific tasks certain agencies should undertake it also includes tight timelines for agencies to hit margie graves is senior fellow at the ibm center for the business of government and chair of the industry advisory council she's former deputy chief information officer Of the united states margie welcome so i gotta give you a little bit of a hard time because i said choose your top two things for 22 and you gave me four so (laughs) i i i think in the spirit of the holidays i'll let it slide but let's start with the first one it's cx what stands out to you that agencies should be thinking about now for next year
1: well i'm i'm really excited that the cx uh, executive order has just dropped so many people have worked to make that happen over the last few years. And it's finally front and center. Um, I think it is uh, imperative that we put the citizen at the center of our services and and, uh, benefits that we supply to the public and that their customer experience should be moving closer and closer to what they would expect in a commercial environment. Um, And we're doing several things in order to do that, including um, identity management and some other approaches in terms of uh, having them co-create and, and and co-author some of the uh, approaches with us.
0: Identity management, of all of the things that you mentioned, seems to be the hardest one for the government to crack. There have been all kinds of cuts at trying to make that work. What do you think is going to make the difference in finally cracking that nut, Margie.
1: Well, one of the things I was pleased to see was that in concurrence with the uh, cyber EO and the most recent tranche of of TMF money that was uh, given to the various agencies, uh, concentrated a lot on the center of gravity, which is identity management and particularly login.gov. Um, so I think there's a recognition. That people want to create a persona or develop some kind of an identity management construct that allows them to deal with the federal government as a single entity and not logging in every time to every service. And then that gives us also the opportunity, once you have uh, that persona, uh, to be able to identify other benefits and services that are available to that individual that uh, they might not have even known about and could more effectively support them.
0: One of the reasons I'm going to let you slide on four instead of two for the top two for 22 is because you were alliterative. The second one is also a C. It's cyber. What about cyber is an element that you think will be important to watch for 2022, Margie?
1: Well, I think the the development of uh, zero-trust architectures and um, also... Software assurance are two things that come to mind that were highlighted in the EO, but are pretty much at the center of gravity for everything that we're going to do in terms of development and in terms of systems. So uh, we've got to get those two things right. And we've got to get them right from the get-go. Nothing happens in the CX world without privacy and protection of data. And nothing happens in the cyber world without identity management and the ability to, uh, to move data back and forth in a very effective way, uh, but assuming that um, we have to constantly revalidate identity. So uh, those are two things that I think are kind of inextricably intertwined. Uh, they have to both work together in order to make this a success.
0: The third of your top two for 22 is COVID. And I wonder, do you mean something specific about the evolution of how we respond to it? Or is it just the broader thing that it's still going to exist and it's something we have to be mindful of in the new year?
1: Uh, I think it's the former. I do know, uh, and I'm very much a believer that it's going to still exist. We have to determine how we're going to live with this as we go forward, because it is not going to effectively just disappear and go away. It's going to become part of the, unfortunately, part of the um, landscape in terms of people getting their yearly boosters, yearly shots. It's likely to become uh, part of that equation. And uh, I do believe that we have to be conscious of uh, developing more uh, effective vaccines, effective therapeutics. We have vaccines that exist now. There will be variants. Uh, will those variants be addressed by those vaccines? Do we need to continue to develop more vaccines uh, or or should we get to the point where uh, we are in the cold flu kind of scenario uh, where it's going to cover most of it. It's not gonna cover all of it, but it's gonna keep most people out of the hospital. And and we just need to uh, find that, that balance uh, so vaccines, therapeutics, policy and approaches, uh, we, we can't afford to have uh, constant roller coaster economic shutdowns and, and, um, and then coming back up the curve. Uh, I think that's actually uh, very disturbing to individuals uh, because the uncertainty uh, drives a lot of mental health issues, too.
0: A lot of the things you talk about there are scientific, and I think the amateur observer might say, what's that doing in a conversation about government technology for 2022? But all of those things that you just described to me, the first thing I think about is if I'm in your former shoes, or I'm in the shoes of somebody in an agency, I'm thinking, how do I manage through this? And how do I build an infrastructure that's going to support maybe any number of a different uh, a, a different permutations for what the workforce will look like and how the workforce will have to work? And not just in 22, 23, 24, 25, and the out years too, right?
1: Right. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to return to uh, five days in the office. Um, i believe there's going to be some version of of at home and in office that is created as a as a balanced approach by each uh, individual industry and company because uh, they are all different uh, mo- most uh, people think of it as an office situation but there are many industries and services where it's all in person and it always will be So how do you how do you make sure that those those uh, environments are supported effectively just as well as as the remote um, work from home kind of of scenarios that we have today? So we've got to address both. I do believe that um, there's an opportunity here to uh, to get it right and recognize that one size does not fit all and develop scenarios and swim lanes that would uh, suffice for different kinds of of working environments.
0: The fourth C you gave me in your top two for 22 is climate. And that is something that's been a big priority of this administration. How does that fit into this kind of box that we're talking about in the government IT community, Margie? Uh,
1: we just came off of a, a horrific a set of tornadoes that went through uh, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, a lot of lives lost. Uh, we've and used technology for climate change prediction of uh, weather and things of that nature, but in actuality, there are ways to use technology to actually measure, monitor, and reduce the causes of climate change uh, over time, including carbon footprint and also uh, methane footprint. So, I mean, there are things that are being done today. The United States has entered a partnership with uh, New Zealand to uh, put up a, a methane satellite, methane sat, I think they call it. And uh, they're going to be monitoring uh, output. So these kinds of things that we're able to do, we're able to measure, monitor, identify, and then address areas where uh, these climate change elements are being actually generated. And we are able to create more efficiencies in those particular supply chains and also to try to apply more modern technology in terms of energy generation in those areas. So, I mean, there are multiple ways that technology gets used. And, uh, you know, when I think of science, we were just talking about COVID. When I think of science, science has always used technology. And quantum computing and, and uh, compute infrastructure support is, is key to sorting through all the myriad of data that we have to sort through in order to get to the answer. And NIH is a master at doing that, and uh, I believe that uh, that could be utilized in the climate arena also. It already is being used. It can be used even more in the future.
0: Margie Graves, ever the rule breaker. Thanks for your four items for your top two for 22. It's great to have you on the program. Happy New Year.
1: Thank you, Francis. Happy New Year to you,
0: too. You can read more about Margie's top two for 22 in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. A reminder, you'll get a new Daily Scoop podcast every day this week through Thursday. We are off on Friday for New Year's Eve and back at it Monday, January 3rd with a brand new year of shows for you. Tuesday's Daily Scoop podcast debuts tomorrow afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. federal agencies are rethinking their back to the office plans with the spread of the new variant of the coronavirus several agencies have released their plans but may change them jonathan albums federal chief technology officer and principal digital strategist at ServiceNow. he's former chief information officer at the agriculture department jonathan welcome thanks for coming on looking forward to 22 and what organizations might do is one item that you've listed as your top two for 2022 mm-hmm. the return to to work and the future of work. What should agencies be thinking about now, given all of the potential variables that might exist in the coming year, Jonathan? Welcome.
2: Oh, uh, well, Francis, thanks for having me. And I think this is a really important topic as we head into uh, 2022. You know, there's a lot of ambiguity out there. And it seems that every time that we have a plan in place to get people back in, there's something... In the environment that's changing, we have a new variant now that's making people cautious again. So, it, it's a it, it's not uh, it's not easy to say that there's a singular approach. Other than that, I think there's a recognition that we're going to have to be very flexible, and we have to listen to our employees, and we have to be uh, continuing to talk about what makes most sense for the current set of conditions. But I think you know within that there are some things that we uh, you know we can look. Look towards uh, look for in in 2022. So you know we're going to have hybrid environments. That's that's not a newsflash. We've been talking about this from for some time. But um, you know I think the the interesting piece is you know do we have the technologies in place to make those hybrid environments work really well? You know for the past few years we've been working in a you know largely uh, everyone's tele teleworking mode. And as soon as you bring people back into the office, you have some people in conference rooms, you have some people at home, you, you know, we're gonna be developing these teams where people are uh, geographically uh, displaced and we'll have people in different time zones. We have to get everybody working together irrespective of where they are or what time it is and whatnot so do the technologies we have work for that and in some cases they will in some cases uh, maybe not I've been in a few conference uh, uh, teleconferences recently where um, I was at home and there were people in a conference room in a building and it was it felt a little bit disconnected it was hard to see them it was hard to uh, know who was talking at the at the same time it was very different than we were all on um, the same. At home uh, video conference system, so I think things like that will be interesting as as they evolve. And you know, those are those are some practical things, and I think we can overcome those. But more importantly, I'm, I'm looking for um, what agencies are doing in terms of um, the future of work. And we know that employees and uh, and and the people that those uh, federal employees serve, they're looking for consumer grade kind of experiences. Uh, they are, um, we all have been changed during the pandemic in terms of how we expect to receive service. So will agencies be adopting commercial technology, creating these consumer grade experiences to serve, uh, to serve customers in the future? And I think along with that, you know, we really need to be talking about what, um, what kinds of tasks require people to be in an office and what kinds of things can be done uh, remotely. We changed a lot of processes during during the pandemic, and we did um, some really great work very quickly to ensure that missions can continue. But as we eventually return into an office setting, you know, are those the processes that we want to maintain going forward? You know, those, those things that we built very quickly or processes we quickly evolved, will those things... Um, last in a a post-pandemic world? Will they be sustainable? Are they secure enough? Again, do these processes support uh, the way we want to serve customers going forward? And I, I think those are really important questions for people to you know, to ask and for um, you know for agencies to consider. And there's going to be some cases where I think things that are working now in in the way the way we've uh, you know evolved our operations, they might not work. They might not be the best approach. So we have to you know kind of have some uh, leadership courage uh, to take a strategic pause and 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 look at these things to make sure that we're set up for success for for calendar year 22 and beyond.
0: One of the points you made there, Jonathan, that jumped out at me is you talked about tasks that require people to be in offices. I might suggest that we look at the tasks that require people, period. Um, You and I have talked about automation on a number of occasions in the past. I had an experience with a private sector company in the last 24 hours where I don't think I dealt with a human, but the chat application that the company used got the job done. And I wonder if that's not an element of this return to work and future of work thing that you propose as one of your top two for 22.
2: Well, I I think um, I think it certainly is. You know, we've talked before about this idea of hyper automation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my definition uh, for that is where you have a variety of technologies, things like chatbots, things like. Uh, robotic process automation, workflow, uh, maybe AI or machine learning kinds of capabilities that you bring together to take those processes that used to have people uh, participating in them and eliminate the person to as great an extent as possible. And you know, when you're doing that, you know those technologies are kind of like Legos. You can put them together in different ways. If you can be, you can be really creative and organize those technologies to, uh, as in, as in your case you know, eliminate the need to interact with somebody. And that changes, again, the dynamic of how you interact with your service providers, be them in government or industry. And suddenly you're doing it on your time, you're not doing it on uh, someone someone else's time. We, we, during the pandemic in government, we, we uh, partially digitized a lot of processes by maybe adding, you know, a video conferencing component or a digital signature, but you're still doing a manual process because you had a government employee at the other end of that process interacting with the customer and that's good. But it could be better. It could be fully automated. In some cases, it makes sense to fully automate it because you're no again you're no longer tied to that employee's work schedule. You can get your work done when you want to. And there are a variety of t- programs and times where people are interacting with the government where it makes more sense to do it when I have the free time to do it, as opposed to you know disrupt my my day. So I I, I agree with you. You're onto something there. And there's there's a, a connection there. I think with the uh, the President Biden's executive order on customer service, as well, you know, taking uh, the uh, uh, the way we serve people and really looking at it from their point of view, and and really evaluating the the quote unquote time tax that that people have um, experienced when interacting with their
0: government. So there's a lot there that we can build on. The second point that you chose for your top two in twenty two, Jonathan, is that EO on customer experience, and you link it. To that, to, to customer experience being the second pillar of the president's management agenda, that must signal to you, I guess, that this is going to be maybe priority one or 1A for the administration in 2022.
2: Uh, I think it I think it has to be. Um, again, you know, it's not just the way the expectations have changed, but we've invested so much over the past several years in in modernization and in uh, d- digital transformation technologies. It's time to move to this idea of uh, digital acceleration, I think, where we're putting all these great investments to use Uh, the the administration this administration prior administrations have built capabilities that we need to harness right now whether it's the centers of excellence or technology modernization fund uh, the uh, 18f usds these organizations they have great resources and if we organize them in the right way again and we apply them to these big customer service challenges we can make a tremendous difference in the way government serves people. And you know, that is an underlying um, you know, factor in the way people think about and how they trust their government. And trust in government's you know, really at, a, at an all-time low. So I think there's a, a much larger uh, impact of having um, you know, good customer service and having good experiences in the way people think about and interact with their government.
0: You used the term a few moments ago, Jonathan, consumer-grade experiences. Is that what government should be aiming for?
2: I think government should be aiming to uh, serve citizens the way they expect and deserve to be served, and that's that consumer-grade experience is how we've all been uh, trained over the past several years as we interact with the brands that we, you know, that we like. We we do business with, so in many cases, um, I think that's the right approach because it begins to change the way uh we think about government we think that we're being served by um you know by a private sector organization that you know has our has uh you know our allegiance in, in terms of who we do business with and you know i think government needs to have a you know similar mindset in terms of attracting and retaining retaining customers and you do that through through great you know great experiences. And, you know, there's, there's another uh, aspect to this, uh, Francis, we've talked about in the past. Um, you know, we, we I, I've shared before that I think that we need a, a national digital strategy in order to create the kind of environment that, um, you know, we're both describing in terms of how we, we serve government. What I like so much about the executive order, and in 22, I'm really interested to see how... Uh, this gets implemented is, you know, we have the chance now to think about the public as a customer of the whole of the federal government, not just a program or not just one agency. And we have the the opportunity to virtually realign aspects of government, collect these digital functions, digital capabilities in a way that makes sense to the public. You know, if you're interacting with, uh, uh, you know, if you're having a life event and we talk, they talk about this uh, life experiences, life event uh, concept in the PMA and the EO, whether you're retiring or you're going to college or, uh, you know, you have a healthcare issue or whatever, you're interacting with all these different agencies and you have to figure out their individual work structures, bureaucracies, programs, and it's a very inside-out approach to government. And we want to change that, where we think outside in, and we think about the person who needs that service, who's experiencing that life event, and design around that, and how they are likely to interact with government, and help move them towards uh, you know a successful outcome by the way we present out services to them. And, you know, we have the data to do that through the the federal data strategy. We have these automation technologies that we've talked about. And, you know, we have this opportunity to integrate, you know, experiences in a way that, again, completely changes um, your perspective on government. It is, you know, one of those foundational Things to build trust. So I'm really excited, uh, you know, about that. And uh, when I saw the the PMA and this this, you know, felt you know, it felt uh, very close to it as having worked on these topics for for a long time. So in 22, I'm going to be really be really interested in how agencies that are called out and they're the high high impact service providers, how they're um, thinking about how they serve the public and you know re um, reorganizing virtually some of these
0: interactions. Jonathan Album, thanks very much. Happy New Year and appreciate your time as always.
2: Happy New Year. Thanks for uh, the conversation. I'll talk to you soon.
0: You can read more about Jonathan's top two for 22 in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. Tomorrow's program includes the former chief procurement officer at DHS, Soraya Correa, with a look at plussing up the acquisition workforce and some serious changes on the horizon for strategy at DOD with naval expert Brian Clark. That Daily Scoop podcast debuts tomorrow afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people. Find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together every afternoon, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The next show tomorrow afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. Thanks for listening.